With neighbors like this, who needs friends? Hello and welcome to the Unpublished Cafe. I'm Ed Hand. While Canadians self-isolate and practice physical distancing, we glance south of the 49th parallel and see chaos. Now, for context, we're recording on April 5th. And, as well, we are self-isolating and in a remote location. In the midst of the chaos came word from the U.S. The president was ordering 3M to stop sending masks and ventilators to Canada and Latin America. The justification was the U.S. needed them more and... Donald Trump invoked the Defense Protection Act. 3M, in its defense, pointed out the humanitarian impacts of such a move. It also felt its production would be able to cover the needs for everyone. But it certainly makes you look to the South with a different view. Longest undefended border in the world, yet the U.S. willing to throw it away. To find out more about that move and how it could impact relations, I am pleased to be joined by Amir Adaran, professor of law and medicine, at the University of Ottawa. And Amir, your first reaction when you heard about Trump's directive. What, what sort of language am I allowed to use, Ed? Uh, I mean, my first reaction isn't something that should be repeated on a podcast. It was said to my wife. But the, the more considered reaction is, this obviously is not the way the United States should be treating Canada. Obviously, uh, it signals, I think, not a short-term problem, but a long-term one. Um, short-term, Canada will find masks elsewhere. You know, it, it's not helpful to have the U.S. blocking the masks and respirators reaching us, but we will find them elsewhere. Long-term, the thought that this country should be dependent on any crucial supply the United States is very much in question. And uh, when COVID-19 ends, we're not going back to normal. There is no normal left. This illustrates why. You know, it brings up a key question about ethics. And in particular, when you're dealing with foreign relations, you know, you're talking two two neighbors, two countries that have that are so linked together. And then when something like this happens, you, you kind of wonder about the ethics here. Well, the ethics are appalling. I mean, the United States is just as dependent on Canada. In fact, uh, the United States gets all its medical-grade wood pulp from Canada. There is a pulp mill in Nanaimo, B.C. that produces medical-grade pulp, which is, of course, different than, say, the pulp you use for newspapers or cardboard boxes. And uh, that pulp makes gowns, medical gowns, it makes masks, it makes other products the Americans need. I personally am in favor of Canada prohibiting the export of medical pulp to the U.S. until Mr. Trump decides that he would like to relent and amass and uh, respirators made in the United States to come to Canada as they were until two days ago. If he wants to close our border, well, two can play that game. And when it comes to the need for medical-grade pulp to make a variety of medical goods for the U.S., I think Canada actually holds more cards here. Does Canada have the right to withhold that, though? Canada could use Article 20 of the General Agreement of Tariffs and Trade 
um, or similar language in NAFTA or similar language in NAFTA's replacement and do that legally. Um, it would, of course, be viewed as very provocative, but we haven't fired the first shot here, nor do we have to immediately slam uh, the border shut on medical pulp to the Americans. We could say that we're going to do it in a few days and start preparing to do it long enough for smarter people in the White House to understand that they have created a situation that is not in their own interest. Amir Adirani is joining us on the Unpublished Cafe as we discuss the U.S.'s decision to have 3M stop sending masks and ventilators to Canada and Latin American countries. And Amir is joining us to, to discuss this. And we talked about um, whether Canada can, can hold back on that pulp or not. Uh, in, in both cases of the situation with the masks and, and the pulp, I'm wondering, would a move like this violate NAFTA or the new NAFTA? No, no. And, and that's what I just explained, that there's a public health exemption in, in those treaties. And so we can do it. Um, I would far rather we not do it. But if we are in a situation where the United States is making a decision to limit the export of commodities that save lives of Canadian nurses and doctors, we have to stand up for our nurses and doctors. And we have to tell the Americans, if you want to have that kind of relationship with us, we will have exactly the same relationship with you. We just won't give you the pulp you need to make masks for your own people. Now choose. We're either going to share generously, both of us, or we're not. And you, Mr. Trump, have said that we're not. We're going to invite you to reconsider. That's what this is about. It's legal. It's tough. It's very unlike the Canadian government to deal with Mr. Trump this way. Usually, we've done extremely well by playing the long game with Mr. Trump. Indeed, that's how we got the new treaty to replace NAFTA, by playing a long game years of negotiations, but we don't have years right now. That's our problem. We have a very short time to address the needs of our nurses, our doctors, our paramedics for protective equipment. What did you think about the Canadian response to uh, the announcement when it first came out? I was unimpressed and I remain unimpressed because well, I can understand, of course, there's a desire to paper over problems of the United States in the least uh, disruptive way and in the way least likely to provoke Mr. Trump, who, let's be honest, is, is not mentally well. Uh, he, he's impetuous. Uh, he's probably a little demented. And I don't say that as a term of abuse. I say it as something approaching a diagnosis. He is easily provoked. He's dangerous. I can understand the desire not to provoke him. But at the end of the day, if we have just signed a free trade agreement with the United States, and of course we have, it is a reasonable expectation that there be free trade, including for things like respirators and masks. And if the United States doesn't want free trade, we must be willing to show that our willingness to trade is not unconditional. 
Amir, what would you like to see from the Canadian government? I know uh, the, the Ontario government came out a little forcefully uh, yesterday regarding this. What, what would you like to see the federal government do or say? Well, beyond the issue of the, the respirators and, and masks, I, I think we've talked that one through, Ed. I mean, obviously, we have to make use of our bargaining power. This is a, a subject that will get resolved, I'm sure, this week, one way or the other. We won't be talking about it in a week's time. But there are things we need to think about well beyond this week. April is going to be a ghastly month for Canada. It is going to be the worst. And we are going to feel terribly beaten up by the number of people falling ill and dying in the next few weeks. I am not hearing from government in Ottawa any sort of plan for what comes after. I am not seeing them release the epidemiological forecasts of what April and beyond holds. I am not seeing them plan for giving the economy the the restart that it so obviously will need when it is safe enough for workers to be back at their jobs. I am not hearing a scientific plan of how we choose the people who can most easily and safely return to work to benefit the country as a whole. There is no vision emanating from Ottawa right now. It is as if the government cannot, when it comes to the epidemic, see beyond the tip of its nose. And this is just grievously unsatisfactory. It's indeed incompetent. So we need to be be hearing and demanding as Canadians to hear What are the next steps beyond the day-to-day message of the Prime Minister, which is, please stay at home, please lock down. That's outstanding advice. But what comes next? Amir, I want to thank you for joining us. Thanks so much, Ed. Amir Adaran is a professor of law and medicine at the University of Ottawa. While Canadians were upset with the order from the U.S. government, interesting to note that 3M does have a number of plants in Canada. You wonder how this might impact Canada-U.S. relations in the future. Peggy Mason's the president of the Rideau Institute, and she joins us now. And Peggy, what was your first reaction to Trump's order to 3M? Well, I guess what I would like to do is refer to... um, uh, Ontario Premier Doug Ford's reaction. I don't know um, anyone who saw him in his COVID-19 briefing on Friday, where he, I mean, he visually and orally uh, expressed his utter dismay and disappointment uh, in the action of the Trump administration. And for me, that, um, I mean, he kind of exemplified um, the enormity of the betrayal that he felt that such a close ally and, and friend would uh, would behave in uh, in that way. So for me, it sort of brought it home in a different way um, from, from, from when you see that kind of reaction from those who might have been seen pre-COVID as more um, more um, ideologically in line uh, with or more sympathetic to some of the approaches of the Trump administration. When you see um, them reacting, you know, Canadians reacting in that way, then I think it really it, it really brings home 
um, you know, the, the, the extent of the, how can I put it? The, what is the antithesis of, of business as usual in, in, in any situation or in any relationship between two countries? We're about as far from that as, uh, as we could imagine, I suppose, short of war. How do you see this affecting, if at all, Canada-U.S. relations? It's hard to say at this point. Um, I mean, I think um, I, I think before we get into that, I mean, I guess one of the points I do have to say at this stage is, is that the other thing that this has done is that it has shown, um, it, it, you know, it has really, it has certainly increased my admiration for what, um, you know, what the federal government, all levels, you know, provincial governments too, but in particular, the federal government, the enormity of the challenge that they face in having to deal with the Trump administration at the same time as they are trying, um, you know, to respond as much as possible in the Canadian context, coordinating federally, provincially and doing all the things they need to do. They have to, uh, in the back of their minds at all times, uh, be aware of what might come out of left field from the Trump administration and be prepared to do whatever they can to keep things on track. And so you've now got this extraordinary situation where um, the prime minister's chief, uh, prime minister's chief of staff, Katie Telford, who apparently built up um, a good working relationship with um uh, President Trump's son-in-law, Jared Kushner, and special advisor in the White House. She built up a good relation with him during the during the um, the NAFTA negotiations. Apparently, they're going to lean on that to see if they can try and get some help to get these masks, these N95 masks that are manufactured by 3M, you know, to actually be delivered to Canada. And of course, Jared Kushner has, has absolutely, I mean, this is emblematic of this bigger problem. He has absolutely no expertise uh, in, in the medical realm or in the, or in dealing with emergencies. And yet he's suddenly become this point person in the White House for dealing with the uh, pandemic. And so Canada is going to try and use this, relationship this because that's the way the Trump administration works through these kind of personal relationships and Jared Kushner has a very good personal relationship with his father-in-law to try and and and, and get things going so you know uh, underscoring just how much admiration I have for the fact that the prime minister has managed to keep his cool I don't have to keep my cool as a commentator I can I can say exactly what I think about President Trump and his administration, but our prime minister doesn't have that luxury at all times has to try and temper his response and and find a practical way through. So that's a partly I'm, I'm going through all this. I mean, in terms of the overall impact on Canada US relations, really, um, everything there, there's going to be pre and post Trump. So the real uh, or, or during and post Trump pre during and post Trump. And, and the trouble is um, we, you know, we can't, it's hard to see where we're going to be post Trump. Uh, um, right now it's just a matter of trying to manage things as, as, as best we can. And, and I think, as I said, I think the government's doing a good job, but there's a larger dimension here, of course, to all of this, because of course it's a global pandemic and, and the kind of immorality 
uh, and incompetence that we're seeing demonstrated by President, President Trump in his dealings with Canada in the context of the pandemic, because apparently he doesn't know or at this point care that the interconnectedness of the economy means that vital supplies that the Americans need are provided by Canadians. He apparently doesn't know that. We have to hope that Dr. Fauci will will be able, you know, to get that point through at some, you know, at some stage. But just as he doesn't understand the Canada-U.S. interdependence, he doesn't really understand the global interdependence. This is a global pandemic. I mean, the U.N. Secretary General has been extraordinarily eloquent in pointing out that the globe is only as strong as its weakest link. A global effort is required to contain this pandemic. What's Trump doing? Uh, despite all the pleas to ease sanctions on Iran and on Venezuela and on Cuba so they can get the vital medical supplies that they need to fight the virus, he's uh, turned a deaf, a deaf ear. And in, ca- in the case of Iran and, uh, and Venezuela, he's tightened the sanctions. And compare that with back when there was an earthquake in Iran in 2004, George w., then President George W. Bush eased the sanctions so that aid could be provided. And it was another terrible earthquake in 2012, and President Obama lifted the sanctions for several months. Now we're facing, a, you know, Iran and Venezuela and the entire world are facing a far worse threat, a threat that, you know, that crosses borders, unlike earthquakes, and, and Trump is doubling down on, on the sanctions. Um, and, you know, so we, we have to hope that sooner or later, in every case so far, you know, the only real expert that we see on that stage with Trump, um, the, the medical chief, uh, Dr. Fauci, he seems to get through in the end. Trump's immediate reaction is, is a selfish and an often nonsensical one. But uh, when that doesn't work, then Dr. Fauci is able to prevail. So we have to hope that'll happen in the Canada-U.S. context, um, uh, but we also have to have to hope it'll happen in the global context. But but also in terms of this going forward in Canada-U.S. relations, you know, it's really interesting if you consider. Everybody knows about this part of the U.S. Constitution: life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But the Canadian counterpart to that is peace, order, and good government. And what is going to get us through this global pandemic is good government, and in particular, governments that have public health care systems that know how to make them work. And all around the world, you see this questioning now of, of priorities and money being spent. I mean, in the U.S., the vast, vast sums on um, military equipment, on arms exports, and health systems. Uh, well, they don't have a public health system. A whole series of private systems languishing for lack of money unless you're very, very rich. But that's all being questioned. So we could imagine in a post-pandemic, and, and it would have to be a post-Trump world, that, 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 that the Canada-U.S. relationship could be, could be refashioned uh, to start to look, you know, with, 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 with the U.S. perhaps taking, perhaps taking some lessons, uh, you know, from Canada. I'm determined to be an optimist in this in the midst of uh, what are dark days right now.
Uh, do you feel Canada stood up for itself when this uh, whole mask uh, debate popped up? Yes, yes, I think. And I think this is the tremendous tightrope that the prime minister is walking. Um, and you know, of course, I've been a very strong critic of the prime minister in the past on foreign and defense policy. But this tightrope that he has to walk, where he has to reassure Canadians that he is doing everything he possibly can to defend our interests. But at the same time, he has to do it in a way that doesn't, uh, you know, cause uh, a temper tantrum and a lash out from the American, uh, the American president. And, and so he has to convince Canadians that he's working very, very hard, um, you know, behind the scenes, but he has to be very careful uh, in, in how he expresses that. You know, again, going back to, um, you know, uh, a premier who's of a different, uh, you know, different political party from, uh, from Justin Trudeau, but going back to Premier Doug Ford, and he, he was doing the same thing. It was really interesting. Well, he spoke out a little more strongly, although very carefully, about how disappointed he was in the U.S. He put it all in terms of how disappointed himself it was and, um, and how un- unacceptable it was. But, but he, too, has also, um, he, he is taking, um, he's taking this approach of really trying to be as constructive as possible and, um, and, and in terms of supporting the prime minister in this. And, um, and, and, and let's go to another example. I always want to use international examples. You know, the prime minister took a lot of heat initially um, about the, the 16 tons of, um, of medical supplies that were shipped to China in early February. But, he's looking, but the government's looking very prescient now because we shipped that equipment to China when they were at their darkest hour in their hour of need. And now they were paying us by shipping us huge amounts of equipment. And the uh, United States isn't, and China is. And that kind of exemplifies, um, you know, the global aspect of this. And it'll be it'll be countries working together that will and, and, and countries with, uh, with with a leadership that understands the kind of partnership that's needed internally. We're seeing that with the premiers in an unprecedented way and uh, and the need to get people behind you. And that's what I find so interesting about the comparison with Ford and, uh, you know, Premier Ford and Prime Minister Trudeau. They're 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 both trying to walk this line of showing strong leadership, but at the same time, really getting the message to Canadians that we are all in this together. We all have to play our role. And that's symptomatic of the global situation. Canada has stepped up. We are helping the World Health Organization to help developing countries uh, because, you know, the Sec- Secretary General, UN Secretary General has pointed out, I mean, if we leave developing countries on their own and they can't cope, the virus will not be contained and it will come back in an even more virulent form. This is so, uh, you know, really global solidarity, good government and global solidarity. Those are the messages here. All right, Peggy, I want to thank you for joining us. It's been my great pleasure. Thank you very much. Peggy Mason is the president of the Reno Institute. Now it's your time to weigh in through unpublished.vote. We want to know from you. Will the U.S. call for 3M to stop sending masks to Canada impact foreign relations between the two countries? Your answers dramatically, moderately, or not at all. You can log on and vote right now at unpublished.vote and make your voice heard. On our next podcast, we'll chat with a number of followers to see how you're holding up. I want to thank Amir Adaran, Professor of Law and Medicine at the University of Ottawa, and Peggy Mason, President of the Rideau Institute. And I want to thank you for listening to the Unpublished Cafe. 
Stay safe. I'm Ed Hand. <laughs>